You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as always, one of the co-hosts of this wonderful podcast. And on today's show, it is free agency week on this Pacers podcast, and that means it's free agent player season reviews. My co-host Tony East did TJ McConnell yesterday. I am doing Doug McDermott today, and we'll have Jakar Sampson later this week. Quick programming note, we will also have a podcast tomorrow after Rick Carlisle's presser. I guess it'll be later today if you're listening to this on a Wednesday. Rick Carlisle is supposed to be with the media at 2 p.m. Eastern time, so we'll get a show up later that evening, breaking down everything he said and anything interesting we, we find from uh, the press conference. But like I said, on today's podcast, we are doing a Doug McDermott season review, and we'll call it slash free agency preview. Uh, obviously, McDermott is a free agent heading into the summer, hence the name of the show. We'll talk about where his uh, where that stands, where I think he might land, how much money he'll make, all the free agency goodness at the end of this podcast. But first, we're going to start with one word to describe Doug McDermott's season. And the one I picked is unanticipated. Doug McDermott, I think, had a unanticipated season for the Pacers. Certainly, I thought he he made a leap from year two to three as a Pacer. Right, his first year as a Pacer, I thought he was very overrated. I think it's the one I would have described it. Shot well from three, not a high volume. Barely played 18, 17, he played 17 minutes that season. Shot well, but didn't score a ton of points and sort of just like was really just spacing and not spacing and scoring. Next season, uh, I thought he was better. Certainly, but this year, uh, I think it came out of nowhere. He went to become a 13-point-per-game score. He shot 53% from the field, 39% from three, and 82% from the line. Uh, the unanticipated part was his ability to become a slasher, a not just one-dimensional three-point shooter, but a legit two-point scorer, an efficient inside of three-feet scorer, and that's um, that's why I call this un- unanticipated. I did, I did not see that coming. It, he was one of the few players who I think, I mean, there are probably a few him, McConnell, um, are probably the two who benefited the most from Nate Bjorkman's different style of coaching um, that sort of just let them kind of make a leap. I guess Brogdon had probably one of his better seasons, but I think those two guys took off the bench. Granted, some of that is minutes, right? McDermott played 24 and a half minutes per game. Uh, that would, that's a career high for him in any season. Uh, started 29 games, just carried a much higher burden because he was basically playing with starters because at one point during the season, at any moment, there was a Vic injury, a Levert injury, or a, you know whatever he missed for. I guess you could call that injury, whatever that is. A TJ Warren injury, a Miles Turner injury, a Sabo injury. At any point, there was one of those five guys was out, even at Brogdon at the time. So he so Durant filled into the starting lineup a lot of times. And when he didn't fill in as a starter, he ended up playing a ton of minutes as well, right? We're talking um, you know playing starter-level minutes ish uh some nights when they just didn't have the depth um i thought some of the kind of more when you dive deeper into his stats his most interesting kind of shooting splits i guess or shooting look at look at are his uh field goals by distance in percentage and then percent field goal percentage at those distance so he shot a remarkable 72 percent inside of three feet for the Pacers this season um, by comparison, McDermott's career high uh, previously was 68% in the last two seasons. Um, I think, let's look up Sabonis, but Sabonis is somebody who, in at his peak, 
uh, shot that well. Like, I think he shot shot close to 70% inside three feet. It, it's really good, especially for a guy who doesn't just live at the rim. Uh, that's a pretty impressive number. And then on top of that, uh, he took, real quick, I had it up for a second. He took nearly 40% of his shots inside that three feet. So not only did he take, which is by far career high again for him outside of his first season, right? The past season, he's taken about a quarter of his shots from inside three feet. This year, more like 40%. Combined with shooting more than him, he shot better from there. Uh, the only place he really didn't shoot as well as previous years distance-wise, where he slot slightly worse from three, obviously. Um, he was a 43% three-point shooter two seasons, or two seasons ago. Um, and then he was not as uh, good from 16 feet to three-point line. Besides that, better shooting percentage from every other distance, basically, or on par. Um, the big reason for his jump in points was a combination of that better was a higher efficiency and a few more shots. Took the most shots per game in his career this season. Just a, a, a just career year for the 29-year-old who will be heading into his year 30-year-old season next year. Um, and it really could have come as a, at a better time for him, frankly, because he is, like, I, like we said, a free agent trying to figure out his next contract, how much money he can make, um, and where he goes from here. Some of the skills I think that he brings to the table, obviously, is spacing. And in this league, people pay for spacing. It's a very... Uh, known commodity and it's something the Pacers uh, used him a lot for the last three seasons when Dermot came in it was certainly a question of could uh, like was it worth the the whatever they paid 7.3 million dollars for that spacing um, but this last year was pretty big his best I think um, lineups combinations for him by far and he saw some of it this year is when he can be stuck next to McConnell and Holiday with against a bench unit he did not do as well against starters as I think um I mean, I don't know if he expected, right? McDermott, you never expect to be like, I mean, he's just not a starter, so you don't expect him to be able to compete with starters. But he definitely thrives more in a bench role surrounded by other good bench players and uh, can play off um, guards really well in a sense that like he can play off T.J. McConnell well, but also play off somebody like Sabonis pretty well. He's he's a very, um, like he's, he's not a need to be in a certain spot every time you get a shot. He can kind of find it in a couple of different ways. I think he's adapted that in his game in some ways because as as McDermott, who isn't somebody who's like going to overpower you with his jumping ability, isn't a super speedster, doesn't have like all these intangibles, but what he does have is an incredible stroke. And if he can just get, get open, he can make it. So he, he um, has become really good at just adapting to like being able to shoot off balance or shoot from different spots. And then this year, the one, like I guess the one thing he added to his game was his ability to slash the rim. When teams overplay him up top, he can turn that around and cut towards the rim and all of a sudden be flying for pretty easy layups because he's pretty lengthy. I mean, remember, he is 6'9". Uh, he is, can definitely separate, especially when he's playing against other teams, threes and fours, maybe undersized off the bench because he would definitely be an over if he played. He's 6'7", sorry, not 6'9". But if he played, uh, when he plays three for the team, he t- he's kind of actually oversized compared to some of the bench threes. Um, either they're... Small them or they're inexperienced. He just has some of that, you know, veteran player strength over them. Uh, his peak moments this season, I want to talk about next because I think there are some some really big moments he had this year that were exciting and kind of the best for him. And I want to talk about uh, what he can improve on a little bit. But first, we have to go to our first break because today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by Green Room, the first social audio platform made for the sports fan. The app is free to download and once they're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. 
I'll be hosting rooms on the Locked On Pacers feed at least once a week, so you can finally join in on the competition and listen to it every day. Green Room is the perfect place to start a Jordan competition about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Green Room watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to the biggest news or rumors. You will have a chance to chat with me and might even have a chance to be featured on a Locked On Pacers podcast on Green Room Conversation. So be sure to join us this week. We'll probably be doing one after the Rick Carlisle press conference this week. So check to our Twitter feed. We post when we're going to do those. The Green Room app is free to download on all iOS devices. So when you create the profile, make sure to link it to your Twitter and then join the group you, you know for MLB or NHL or NBA or whatever it is for the latest group updates. And then you can follow us at Locked On Pacers. So you can know what time we're going to be doing a, a Green Room. Green Room is a great thing to do. So download today because Green Room is changing the way we talk about sports. All right, and we are back. So, Doug McDermott did not start or start as a starter until the 26th game of the season against Detroit. Obviously, he was building towards that. He's had some pretty impressive games earlier in the year. So, he had a 28-point game against Charlotte on that uh, first game of what was it, like kind of back-to-backs or uh, I think it was home-home games in the same city. It was part of the pandemic thing. Uh, that was a game they kind of basically uh, were able to basically pull out because they were they got it was a I think they were losing Charlotte early, kind of pulled the, like kind of clawed their way back second half eventually pulled away. Dermot, you know, that was his first uh, or second twenty plus plus game so far in the season, uh, right when the team still had some hope. That was really good. But when he started, when he became a starter in game twenty six, ended up starting the next eight games. That's when the season kind of went a little wonky for him. So his stats aren't terrible, 13.8 points uh, on 47-38-94 shooting. Um, but, frankly, as a starter, the team wasn't very good with him. They went, uh, in those 10 games, I'm sorry, they went 3-7 and seven with him, him as a starter. It just didn't work, frankly. It was, it, he just didn't have the defense, frankly, and it, he couldn't really play the 30-plus minutes. Like, he played... 36 one time, a couple 29s. Like, at some point, you get diminishing returns on McDermott after he reaches, like, I would say, like, the 26th mark, mark of a game. So they sent him back to the bench, and things got pretty good for him. This is when I think he kind of hit his best run of the season. If you look at, um, basically, I guess it's kind of, like, mid-March until we'll go, basically, until... So this is right when Levert returns. Levert comes back. This is, like, the first game Levert returns uh, until... Basically, until the end of uh, until he gets hurt. So McDermott was inactive for four games in uh, April, and I think part of that was um, I'm trying to remember what the injury was exactly. I think it was a, a I honestly don't remember what the injury was. But this stretch in a 16 game stretch where he did start four times, but mainly on the bench, 56 percent from the field, 42 from three, 93 from the line, 13 points per game, playing 20 minutes per game. This is what McDermott kind of. Uh, rediscovered his sweet spot offensively, right? He had been, I think he started the year off pretty well. Then then the injuries slash trades took a toll. Became a starter, was not as good. And then he got kind of back into his, like, kind of, I would call fighting shape. He fought his way, hit percentages back up. So, right, if you look at all the games before this, uh, he he came into uh, basically the, the Karis LeVert return game shooting, uh, 36%. At one point in the season, he was shooting 40-something percent from three. So he had his numbers had fallen back down. Then he clawed his way back up in that next stretch. Uh, it was really an impressive stretch from him. He didn't like have any games where he was like 
eye-popping numbers. Um, but what he did have was he had just a lot of consistent, well, sh well three-point shooting games, playing good amount of minutes, good plus-minus, and the team was better in that stretch, right? The April, that kind of stretch when Levert returned, the team was, I think, basically 500 with Levert in all, in all those games he returned. I mean, it wasn't, it was better than before where they weren't 500, like, right? Levert came back, and I think the team was a little bit under 500 or right around there. So uh, they were better in that stretch. Obviously, they had a really bad spell when McDermott got hurt, actually, ironically, in um, that late April that dragged him below 500 and pretty much left them there. Um, another highlight thing to notice, he did have 31 points in that ridiculous Oklahoma City game that wasn't even a real NBA game. Uh, the Pacers just smoked them because the Thunder were basically tanking their way to whatever you want to call it. But uh, those were kind of, I mean, to me, that's, that was his kind of good and bad this season. His His highlight was that little, I would call it, late March to or mid March to mid April stretch. Um, what he didn't have this year is any kind of game where I was like, where he, he had some fourth quarter. I mean, the Patriots didn't, didn't play a lot of games like this, these fourth quarter close games back and forth. They didn't play very many of them um, outside of like the first probably month of the season. Uh, and then they, you know, and by the time they did Levert was basically the, the was starting on McDermott, but McDermott a couple years ago had a couple of times where he would just play whole fourth quarter because he was really impressive. Um, he didn't really have any of any of like those like eye popping close game three point performances, but what he did have was a pretty consistent year. He he came in this year, I think there was a thought like what what is his ceiling? Where can he you know can he step up when guys get hurt, or is he more just a role player bench player forever? And I think he kind of proved this year that he could be a starter somewhere on a, if it was a worse team. He's actually obviously better as a seven or eight, but if you put him on a bad team, he could be a starter-ish. Um, but what he did prove is that he is a an efficient scorer. He's now put up three straight – or I'm sorry, four straight seasons of 39% or more from three. So 42.6 in his combined year in Dallas and in New York, and then 40 in the end's first year, 43.5 last year, and 38.8 to 39 this year. Um, so that's that's now basically all but one season where he's 37 or percent above from three. I mean, he's pretty much proven he is a a fantastic three point shooter, can space. And this year he got the volume up to his most, right? Took 4.3 threes per game, or last the last two seasons, and shot just as well from both seasons. So um, he has definitely shown that he is an efficient scorer if you just kind of put him in the right system and get him playing the right amount of minutes. And that's what I think is what makes him most valuable heading into fringe next year. And that's what I'm going to talk about next is Doug McDermott's free agency and where I think he's going to go and how much money I think he's going to make. But first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is also brought to you by our wonderful friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is an amazing protein bar company that makes nine delicious flavored protein bars that are 100% covered in chocolate. Their flavors are coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. These things are great for somebody trying to just like indulge in a late afternoon snack for maintaining or losing weight or building muscle because of the protein. I personally love these things as kind of that pre, pre-dinner, post-lunch snack to get you through the day. My favorite one, the peanut butter brownie, has 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, just you know that right amount that kind of keep you full, but also help you build that muscle up from a nice workout. And right now, if you go to builtbar.com. Your promo code LOCKED15, you get 15% off your next order. Go to BuiltBar.com, promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And we are also brought to you 
by our wonderful friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fast and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Get the baseball season in full swing, and you can track all the action on BetOnline.ag. We also have got the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, and NFL is just around the corner. So for the latest news, I'll info on all those sports as well as UFC and MMA action. Go to BetOnline.ag. So before the next pitch, you can go there on your laptop or device, check out all the news, sign up bonus kinds of information. You don't want to sell on anymore as this is your chance to get in the game as teams are in their playoff runs. And luckily, if you use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag, which are your online sports book experts. So how much money will Doug McDermott make next season? That is a very important, interesting Kind of question. He made uh, roughly seven million dollars, seven point three million dollars over the last three seasons. Um, I'll get the exact number up in a second. Uh, pretty good for a guy who I think before this there were questions of whether he should really even be in a rotation. The Pacers certainly at the time felt like they overpaid for for what was spacing. I think that same year the Pacers wanted JJ Redick but lost out on him. I think that was the the season where JJ Redick said he was like very close to signing with them, but then last minute switched over to, I think it was Brooklyn, ultimately is where he went. Uh, or did he go to Philadelphia the first time? And then went, yeah, went to Philadelphia the first time. Then New Orleans. He wanted to go to Brooklyn. That's what it was. Anyways, so Devin Durant signed a three or $22 million deal. Um, but now you look around the league, he's probably kind of underpaid for that spot. So he isn't a starter. So he probably will not get starter level money. So he's probably not looking at it, and I think, you know, the starting level money starts somewhere in probably the 12 to 15 range. So, like, uh, on the high end of shooters, for example, I think is um, Joe Harris. Harris made, um, what do you make, set? He's making, he's on a four-year, $75 million deal. So he made $16 million last year, 16 next year, then 18 and $19 million. That's the high end. Now Harris does start, saw his playoffs, so maybe he shouldn't be. Um, although I think that you can kind of wipe away one year, but that's that's kind of the high end for a shooter level. Um, somewhere in the middle, so Jada Redick also started at 13 last year. He's probably a little closer to McDermott's value. Uh, you can keep going down. Some of the sharp shooters, if you look around, um, like, God, you've done this list, it's pretty hard to look at some of them. Um, I mean, even that guy, George Hill, who I think is maybe not the sharp shooter like McDermott, but is a similar spot veteran guy. Probably not a starter, but playing bench, but can play some starter minutes. Made about $10 million. I think he was at the mid-level uh, exception last year. Um, and so you're probably looking... The question with Durant, does he get more than $10 million? That's kind of the question that we got there. The cap space is not, like, fantastic, so that will help the Pacers. They do own his bird rights. that also help the Pacers. Um, I, you know, I haven't run all the numbers and looked at, like, what they can pay him, what they can pay McConnell, what they can pay somebody else or whatever, because they also can make a move one of the contracts and that could throw things off i mean could mcdermott be used in a sort of trade right so could you see the pacers package mcdermott let's say a center and a sign would be a sign in trade maybe they get um but if you're going to go along with that but that might work just to get to, get to the salary number um i know there i think there are some rules about sign in trades and packaging and they might not be able to do that i don't know know the exact rules without with how they with how they do that um but if i had a guess he'll make more than 7.3 you're probably looking at somewhere between 8 and 10. Maybe on the high end, it's 11 or 12. Um, but I'd be surprised if he gets more than that. He just he just can't start, right? So, like, Thaddeus Young, for example, makes $13 million, uh, former Pacer, but he's a starter. 
He's going to get starter level money. It's different where I think a team paying for McDermott is going to be a team that's competing. I mean, I don't think he's going to get a lot of offers from these like lower level teams. It's going to be a team that's like a playoff aspiring team or a team that's right there that wants his extra shooting and space to the next level. I think there's a good chance to be signed with the Pacers. I think, you know, he's had three great seasons with them pretty much in hindsight. In terms of shooting percentage wise, he's reached all their expectations. I would just be surprised if they didn't feel like they wanted to bring back that shooting. Obviously, he could get priced out. There could be electric uh, implications to the whole thing, but they can get him back for under $10 million. I'm not sure why they wouldn't, uh, especially because they can use the bird rights on him, not need to use their mid level so they can have that if they need to for other flexibility purposes. So, I mean, I think there's like, right, there's th- two big rated him, McConnell. Um, I would lean towards Keith McDermott. I think it's harder to find shooting than find a good backup point guard. There's a lot of good point guards in the league. But, I'll come on the cost, right? If McConnell gets $8 million a year, that's probably not worth it, where McDermott at 10 is probably still worth it. Even if it is a slight overpay, I think you overpay for shooting this league, ultimately. And that's, the, that's the end of it. You, you overpay for guys who can shoot in spacing because it's hard to come by. Um, and even though he's not the best defender, he's got certain these limitations, we've seen when he is in a lineup with Justin Holiday, Sabonis playing against bench guys, he can kill it. And that's what they, and that's the goal, right? I mean, the, you don't sign a decision to sign for him to play start of minutes. You sign him to be your seventh man. The position that he's going to play bench minutes and be able to kill those bench minutes. And he's done that in the past. He's been such a good offensive player that he's been able to dominate bench minutes. Dominate can be stronger. He's been able to be very, very good with bench lineups and be part of some of the Pacers best bench lineups um, are because of his shooting and that, and that kind of dimension he brings. So I think he, I think he will get re-signed. I'd be surprised if he doesn't, but I could, you know, I think I just haven't really gamed out the whole offseason plan. Like, if they make this trade, certainly that could change McDermott, right? They go out and get a big contract and don't make it even and somehow need to figure out how to be on a luxury tax. That could change a lot of dynamics here. But assuming they bring everybody back or do something where the salary that is like the center salary just kind of is a is like a straight swap, basically, where they don't bring in more money and figure out how to do that, I could see McDermott returning on a similar kind of thing as now paid a little bit more money it, and it wouldn't shock me frankly so um i hope you enjoyed this podcast and doug mcdermott as always we'll be doing more of these player season reviews throughout the uh, off season uh, we're almost heading up on draft season so we'll be doing some draft prospect stuff too in the coming weeks uh, i think we're about four or five players in i got lot i lost track of the schedule frankly because we actually had a schedule and they, then they hired a coach and that third thing with flux so we'll be just kind of sprinkling these in throughout the off season and they'll get the free agency and we'll the Lockdown Places Podcast will be your place to go for all Pacers off-season news, and soon enough will be to a season. So that's all I got for today's show. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnPacers. Me at Freeman of Five. My co-host is at T East MBA. That is all for this podcast. See you guys again tomorrow.